Anyway, yes, I am super prepared today. Not only do I have links, I've got notes this time. So this shit is going to be fun. <laughs> Sit right here. Sit back. Relax. Listen to the sultry sounds. Listen to the velvety sound of Dr. John Christian's voice. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. And then we're also joined uh, by a very special guest, Travis Legg. How's everyone doing? We're doing fantastic. Hey, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're really excited to have Travis here. Travis is... um, a spokesperson and lead designer for the Onyx Path Scarred Lands 5th edition campaign setting. And he also has a new Kickstarter that launched just today, Dead Man's Rust. So we're going to be talking to Travis about Scarred Lands in general and Dead Man's Rust in particular here in just a few moments. But before we get into that, we've all got some news, uh, some dessert course to present to you. And we're going to dive into all of those and then wrap us up with our uh, interview of Travis a little bit later. So without further ado, John, you have a couple of links you want to share with us. Ooh, man, I, I do. I'm really excited about the two that I've got. So the first one, it's, it's pretty timely with the film coming out uh, shortly, right, uh, is Dune. So they've oh, yeah. more and more stuff has been leaking out about um, the RPG that they're coming out with. But more specifics on... Uh, essentially who the publisher is, the engine that they're going to use. They've got some artwork that's starting to come out. And I mean, I'm always captivated by really, really good art. This stuff is gorgeous. Uh, but we're getting some more details about the uh, kind of the layout and essentially what you're going to end up doing mm-hmm. in the game. Like how how gritty detail are we talking about? And where is the setting going to be? Are they going to focus on Arrakis? Or are they going to go elsewhere in the Dune, Dune universe? Um, things like that. So... What I can tell you that I've been able to to uh, to divine thus far is uh, Modifius has uh, a magazine that they put out on a monthly, um, mm-hmm. and so I've got some of the the grittier details from that. They've got Melange dice and they've got Arrakis dice that are coming out. Some uh, some custom dice sets that are coming out for that with the little the Dune symbol of the worm yes. curling around mm-hmm. as the as the D, as the twenty. Uh, they're using the uh, uh, the two D twenty game engine. Uh, which I know that they had used with Mutant, I think Mutant Chronicles first, um, and uh, they've done it with a couple of the other ones too. But there is a, the the there are two editions of the book that they're going to come out with for the the core rule book, which you will only need a book. The book should have everything that you need in it in order to to play the game. It's like the GM oh, nice. or the DMG, the PHB creatures, all that good stuff. It's all in one, three hundred thirty uh, thirty six pages long, full color interior art. The artwork looks. Like phenomenal. First of all, the 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 cover that we've seen, or the uh, I think with uh, Troy and Zach, I'd, I'd shown them some other artwork previously. They had uh, you know the typical uh, Dune worm from Arrakis yeah. coming at you with the the bajillion teeth kind of thing, which looks amazing. That's actually not the cover artwork. I've seen the other mm-hmm. the cover artwork has uh, uh, it's not Duke Leto. Uh, it's got a Paul Atreides. And a couple of other characters in there, and it's gorgeous. Some of the other interior artwork that they provided is uh, there is a the, where the Bene Gesserits are uh, provided doing the test for for uh, a new Reverend Mother. 
um, where they're they're giving her the spice melange, and she's going to about to trip out and see whether or not she can make it through in order to become a Bene Gesserit also. Uh, and it's gorgeous. And I'll, I'll, we'll provide those in the show notes also. Now, what's really interesting, though, is like, you know, D&D recently has been doing alternate cover art yeah. for a lot of their books. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same thing for Dune. But here's the kicker. Who do you want to end up, what house do you want to belong to? Uh, house Carino. I think it's Carino. I think it's, that's how you pronounce it. Harkonnen or Atreides. Well, if you want a, a cover with a, a, a specific yes. to that house, that's the cover art that you get. And it looks yes. great. So you okay, got the... So, so which go house are you going for, John? Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm a goody two-shoes, so it's going to be Atreides, for sure. I'm not a Harkonnen. <laughs> oh, the a Harkonnen, Harkonnen looks fantastic. Like, honestly, like I could see some some people buying all three because they are gorgeous absolutely, and wanting to be able to put all three on their, on their shelf. So, uh, yeah, those limited edition designs look really, really good. And that's... Uh, that's a good impetus to get return shoppers to come back and buy both multiple versions of it. Cool. Uh, they've, they've also got a, a GM kit or a GM screen, excuse me, with a 32 page booklet. They got a player's journal with a 160 page long uh, journal for them to put detailed notes and all that good stuff. And we were talking about political intrigue with Dune. Uh, if your players are not taking notes, then shame on your players, right? There should, they should be, they should be saturated with uh, immersion and cool stuff for them to be able to to write down. So and there's more, but I mean, that's the that's the the thousand foot view at least. It looks absolutely stellar. Everything that I've seen of it looks great. Cover art, interior art, um, just gorgeous. And so I've already got mine pre-ordered. I'm ready to rock and roll at this point. Interesting. I I love the idea of the alternates and where you pick your you pick pick your family there. Yeah. I, there's a part of me that would love it to be like like a leather bound edition that looks like the orange Catholic Bible would be mm. awesome. I would pick yeah. that up. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love the idea of that. I love the idea that it's an all in one. That being said, I also kind of could see the Dune RPG being one of the more complex noodly things because you got so many different elements at work in the dune universe there's a lot of diplomatic intrigue um and and i think that there should be or could be a whole role play mechanical system for negotiating with other houses and things um and then there's obviously like multiple different combats and there's a lot of melee and there's a lot of guns and blah 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 blah. so there could be a lot of a lot of depth to a a dune system for sure yeah, oh, yeah. there are still there are th- still a lot of things that are out right now we don't we don't know all the the juicy sure. bits but yet they're saying that they want the, the universe to focus on arrakis you know arrakis is essentially is effectively the center of the universe in regards to story and everything kind of points to the desert planet even though you've got dd prime and uh Kaitane, where the the seat of the imperial seat is and things like that in dune you've got all of that and i think they'll probably flesh some of that out so maybe either your your journey to and from or i don't, I don't know they may end up it may all be on dune we'll see or there may end up being supplemental material later on down the line where they expand out into other areas of the universe but that's at least where they're going to focus for right now very cool which makes what sense else you got for us yeah that makes total sense yep so the second one that i've got is uh it's a combination uh, publishing th- Modifius again, right? So good for them. Mm-hmm. They're, Modifius they're has fast all of it. 
man, like they're fast. But like they've got Conan, they've got uh, John Star Carter. Trek, John Carter. I mean, like they're starting to become one of my outside of Watsy and a couple of the other really big no- the big knowns. They're starting to they're the ones that I'm looking at for for the new material. Mm. It looks really really good. So they're actually using the game engine Year Zero, not their two uh, D twenty for a new uh what's i don't want to say if it's new it's it's old new right it's been out for a little bit but uh it's vasen which is nordic horror set in the 19th century and so the the whole thing centers on investigation of creatures ghosts bizarre occurrences in 19th century scandinavia and vasen are the spirit supernatural entities or events that are that occur all right and so ordinary people don't see them but either those that have been touched by death the ones that are the investigators that have been somehow supernaturally touched, they're able to see these events. It's kind of like a, almost like a, where two planes of existence are kind of overlapping on one another. And there's like the, the shadow of one intruding mm-hmm. on the other. Right. Um, it feels like when I've looked in the, in the, uh, the, the core rule book that they've got, which is like Dune where it's, it's an all in one, um, mm-hmm. 240 pages long. The cover is gorgeous. The, the binding and this is a premium, right? So it's got a heavy textured cover, heavy paper on the interior. Uh, it's, it's just a really, really good quality. The binding is really tight, uh, really strong binding. It feels a lot like Tales from the Loop, where it's that otherworldly alternate version of 19th century Scandinavia kind of thing. And it's all about investigation. So it's this really slow boil. It's not, it's not going to be super crunchy where people are charging out and using guns or swords or anything like that to solve every single po- problem, but it's not as punishing or as uh, desperate as um, it was like a Cthulian game, right? Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, and th- much like Dune, they've got c- GM screen custom dice. Uh, the dice are really, really cool. They look like uh, carved bone, and they've got different little... Little swirly patterns, like a, like almost not runes necessarily, but they look like like a old, like an uh, like an old um, runic type of or alternative kind of script that's on them. That's pretty neat too. And you mentioned that the I think to us that the art style is very reminiscent of that Neverland setting yeah. that we had uh, seen before, talked about before here on the podcast. Very yeah. traditional style art, and mm-hmm. um, I really dig it. It's yeah, it's nice that we're seeing some of these like very uh, niche mythologies or niche stories or settings or elements like Neverland at this point or mm-hmm. like Nordic horror being brought into such a high quality product uh, for for RPGs. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good point too. That the artwork and the look of the book is like something that would be on your shelf anyway, not necessarily on your RPG shelf. It may even be like a reference to Scandinavian mythology and folklore, right? That's yeah. what the way that the book looks whenever you look at the cover and along the spine and the artwork inside of it is gorgeous. It's and, it, and it's di- but it's different. The art the art design uh, is uh, it's 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 really good. Um, something else that was a little bit uh, that was different about this is there is it's sin- there's a part of the central part of the mechanic is uh, the characters have a mansion. Or some kind of a manse or stronghold, clubhouse, lodge, whatever, and you build up your mansion. Uh, you add things, bolt-ons to it, upgrades to it, and then there are mechanical benefits that your characters gain in regards to investigation and I things like that. like that, which is really cool. Yeah, just like yeah. the uh, Eberron uh, 
salvage bases. Yeah, yeah salvage cool. bases yep. missions. That's cool. Yep. Interesting. And so if you so yeah, so if you like things like uh, Nordic Core, when I was I was trying to figure out like what the heck, like what separates something, what is Nordic Horror? Uh, I looked at uh, things like uh, Troll Hunter, Babadook yep. was another one. Um, what was another one? Uh, Vich, the Vich, like a two V's I T C H. Yep. It's yep. like that where it's like the this Vich, really. Yep. Yeah, there's like really weird, a little spacey kind of feel to the, but old, very old evils and old creatures. Not necessarily evil even, right? Like super, super neutral, like almost That's, indifferent, you know? Yeah, the the uh, the Troll uh, Hunter doc, faux documentary is yeah. very brilliant in its presentation oh, it. that way. Yeah, I, yeah I ate that thing up. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so those, those are my two. Very cool. Uh, all right. Troy, you have a Kickstarter for us. Uh, pitch us Dreadful Realms. Yeah, Dreadful Realms, Caverns of the Wise Minister. Uh, it is a D&D 5e setting. Uh-huh. And in a nutshell, um, there were two. Uh, there was a god and a... And, I, I want to say ancient evil. I don't want to like give any spoilers away. An ancient evil that were warring over uh, the city of elves. Um, the city was destroyed. the The survivors uh, decided they were going to travel into the lower plains to uh, hopefully get to the the realm of death and plead with the god of death to please release all these lost souls that were taken too early um, on their way down they were met with a, an, an enigmatic creature or being older than the gods themselves uh, called the wise minister and they kind of fell under his sway and somewhere between the realm of the living and the realm of the dead they founded a new city called uh, Sepulchre mm -hmm. and I mean that in and of itself just it, it's it's I've never even thought of anything like this before. It just sounds very moody and dark and intense. Um, so what what they're wanting is uh, you know to fund their Caverns of the Wise Minister setting book and then a one to eleven campaign uh, mm -hmm. called uh, Spire of Lies. And it just it's kind of like going back to what John was talking about with with the with the Dune, with the uh, the political intrigue and, and stuff like that. The mood and themes of this are power corrupts. We are all connected. The lies that we tell ourselves, and the fact that pretty much everybody is caught literally between life and death. Hmm. Um, the the society is based on. Um, favors and lies and information and and how you kind of traverse that that strange twisty backstabby back alley type existence mm. um new people coming in to the city people trying to get away that mm -hmm. kind of thing um there's new races new backgrounds spells magic items all that all that normal stuff um these elves have been down here for so long. Uh, some of the uh, the the leaders or nobles are their bodies are morphing in certain ways and like becoming bat-like, ah. so they can tra uh, traverse this darkness. And there's new darkness rules, cool. some new things like that that they're including in this. Um, the previews, the art, 
it sucks you in. It's like it's like back in the day when when I first cracked open you know books about drow mm-hmm. and how they talked about the heavy oppressive darkness and the in the strange alien landscape, and it has that feel to the to it in the artwork. Very very uh, thought provoking. Very moody. Mm-hmm. And they've also got a, a a zero level downloadable preview adventure, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And actually, I well, I saw where you had uh, you did include that included that in the show notes, and I took a look at it at it last night. It's uh, I think it's really really smart to put mm-hmm. a little like a hook out there, a little, a little bait to see if people are even interested in it or not. And oh, kind of yeah. first one's free, um, twelve pages long, some pre generated characters in there is a really smart move. And by, anymore, uh, you kind of have to do stuff like that with the amount yeah. of settings and stuff coming out on Kickstarter and in, and in in normal pathways and stuff. And of course they've got like what you talked about, the, your normal add-ons, uh, miniatures, uh, STL files for miniatures, a handmade dice bag, uh, sepulchral dice, things like that. Um, they're almost through all their listed stretch goals. They've only got one more to go. Um, and all of that, uh, would make me want to buy it normally. And then I saw the pedigree of the people that worked on it. Uh, yeah. you've got, You've got people like Cat Evans, um, mm-hmm. Alex Clippinger, uh, Liz 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 Gist, Steffi Devon. Uh, let's see who else we uh, Christopher Walls, all and, and quite a few more. That uh, any one or two of those names should tell you right away it's going to be quality. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not just all from one little niche. Uh, People that have written for, you know, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Changeling the Lost, Exalted, Harlem Unbound, uh, all the, all these different uh, places that they've pulled their talent from, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. So you know it's going to be dark and gritty, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, it just, it just seems it, it's different enough. To you know, really pique your interest of what this would be like to really dive into an underground city where pretty much all the citizens are being lied to constantly. Mm-hmm. Almost feels like we're living in America. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, so I'm looking here uh, for those who might be interested. Um, if if the Kickstarter is still live, which it should be when this episode uh, drops. Then uh, the PDF, you can get the PDF of the campaign setting for about $17. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get the soft cover print um, for $27. And if you want both uh, the setting guide and the, um, the adventure path, um, you can get both of them for $58 in, in soft cover. So got a lot of different options there. Um, and uh, it, it does look like, um, as I'm kind of gazing at it it looks like maybe it's a little bit different book style format so um keep that in mind uh it de- the artwork looks really good and all that but it looks like um maybe the book is has different proportions than what you're expecting so yeah. i'll be interested mm-hmm. to see how that turns out okay well uh travis uh i know we're going to be talking about your uh kickstarter here in a moment moment but is there anything um non-kickstarter related that you'd like to pitch to us real quick if not no um, big deal 
my Kickstarter is kind of uh, the central focal point <laughs> of my universe, but um, we actually just uh, prior to this, we had put together Frostlands of Fenrelic, which is a uh, community content. Yeah. Um, Scarred Lands expansion. It adds uh, a new continent uh, for the first time to 5th edition, uh, the continent of Fenrelic, which is a northern uh, tundra survival type setting. Um, it's kind of a place where you know, you, the chances of you freezing to death on the way to the next town are very, very, very high. Um, and so that was a lot of fun to put together and to put out there for the community to sort of flesh it out. We have a nice strong spine of the continent uh, in the Fenrelic book. Um, but we leave plenty of juicy hooks for people to latch onto and build their own content. So I'd really like to see uh, people heading up, heading up north and, and making some uh, some wintry scarred land stuff at the Solution Vault. Sweet, Very cool. And and that's something that folks can hop onto uh, Drive Through RPG and grab hold of, right? That is correct. Yep, it's currently available Perfect. in print on demand and PDF. Awesome. Yeah, I saw, I think somebody shared a picture online of getting that, their hands on a physical copy, and I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Um, I love that about drive-thru. Because uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a physical book sort of a fella, so I'm excited about that. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Uh, so the last thing on the list is something that's near and dear to uh, my heart, which is, um, I don't think I've talked about it here on the podcast, but I am a huge fan of the Watership Down book by oh, yeah. Richard Adams. Loved that. Um, Loved it yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I still devour it on the regular, and there's a really great uh, animated show of it oh, yeah. as well that I'm a huge fan of, especially the original. Um, I was uh, in my local game store a few weeks back, and I saw a small uh, soft cover offering called The Warren, and I picked it up. Uh, it's 25 bucks for a soft cover, about 140 pages or so. Um, it is not officially licensed Watership Down material, but it might as well be, like... It's that close. It's drawing heavily from that mythos, from that presentation, from that atmosphere, and trying to allow you to have uh, an experience like that at the table. It uses the Powered by the Apocalypse uh, uh, system, which is great for new players. And it's also really great for like, um, I like it for like one shots or mini adventures, things like that, um, that aren't super ongoing long form components and i think that uh something like this about rabbits and you playing out as rabbits and trying to either um you know avoid a calamity in your current warren or find a new warren and all of those things um this is a great this is a great blend a great system to inject into this world um there's a couple things that i really really like as i've kind of dove into this book um, there is a great panic system that they have built in. Um, a big thing about rabbits, right, is um, they're not fighters, by and large. Um, and the answer, more often than not, is to run, but to run mm -hmm. in an intelligent okay. way, right, with a purpose. Um, right. And if you do fight, again, to fight with a purpose, and, you know, it needs to be a quick fight, Um Panic ruins both of those things. Panic makes a rabbit do what a rabbit should not. 
and uh, we talked about the Alien RPG uh, a couple weeks ago. It's very reminiscent of that, but in a much simpler form. So I think you could even take this book, and if you really like the system and you enjoyed running it, you could reskin it to be a simpler version of Alien if you wanted to, because they both deal with panic as a as a uh, mechanic. Um, oh, yeah. The other thing I really enjoyed was as I was flipping through in the back, they basically have this bulleted, these bulleted tables, not like that you would roll on, but just like bulleted lists of things to help your party understand what it's like to be a rabbit. And so there's like a bullet list of like, here are concepts that a rabbit would not understand. So like planting seeds in the ground in order to grow things uh, was one of those. Um, organized warfare, things like that, right? Like these are things that if you're, if you're a player, you, you can't really comprehend these elements and it kind of removes, it's their way of removing certain tools from your tool belt. And then there are also bulleted lists that show you like, here are some things rabbits would use or think about or have as priorities. So I don't know. It's kind of like, um, the personality traits and flaws and everything from fifth edition, Okay. But for a group as a whole, right? For yes, the entire party. Really smart, right? That's a conceptually, how smart are the rabbits, right? What do they know? What are they being ex exposed to in order to, for the players and the GM to create a, to re reduce as much metagaming as possible, Inten un even an un unintentional, right? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that's not the way that a rabbit would think is something that it, you would need to, or any like an animal in ge in general, like to your point when you talk about f like fighting or running, fight or flight instinct. You're going to do one yeah. or the other, right? And and nine times out of ten, if you are prey, which exactly is what what a rabbit is, it'll run unless it's cornered, and it will only fight. It'll fight in a manner to where it can p position itself to then run, not to yeah. defeat an enemy, not to not to to defeat to eat or to defeat out of anger or vengefulness or anything like that, but out of fearfulness, right? That's really, are, really smart for them to do that. That in order to kind of get the whole concept. Rabbits or gully dwarves. Uh, so what I'm saying is, the gully dwarves are a lot smarter than everybody gives them credit for. Right? They're just really <laughs> They're instinctual. Right? Yeah. They're cunning, not smart. Yeah. There's also, I mean, I could talk about this uh, book for a little bit while longer, but uh, the other only, the only other thing I'll say is they have a cool system for scars. Um, if you've played Powered by, by the Apocalypse stuff, you know that. Your character has a list of abilities, right? Um, and they're unique to you. When you're a rabbit, you take injuries and those remove your ability options. So each mm. scar that you take, you That's pull cool. one of those permanently out. So like one of your rabbit abilities might be bolt, right? Which is a special flea ability. If you get injured, you can you can say I okay I got injured on and I'm going to say that my hind leg one of my hind legs is permanently damaged. I'm going to cross out bolt on my character sheet, and now my rabbit has this scar that that physically or mentally injures them, and uh, so you build up enough scars, and you can still play as your rabbit, but it's not going to have all the special things that a fully adept rabbit is going to have and so they recommend of course once you develop so many scars you retire your rabbit or you expect that your rabbit is going to be the the the, the slow one on the pack the weak mm. one of the litter oh, that is going no to way. be ripped up no yeah. way they need they need a new mechanic in there called grizzled where the, the the rabbit is effectively made out of 
like rusty barbed wire and baked leather. <laughs> it's like the Jack Palance of rabbits, really pissed off and angry right. rabbit, right? It's like the warrior veteran rabbit, grizzled. Yes. Well, I do like that mechanic, grizzled. though. I think that's really smart. Oh, yeah. it's it, There's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's called The Warren, again, and we'll post links. Uh, but speaking of Grizzled, we have a very dark uh, metal, speaking of barbed wire, uh, Kickstarter to talk about real quick. We have followed Scarredlands projects for a while. I think I met you back at a, uh, a game hole con uh, a couple of years ago, maybe, and you sold me a couple. That a couple is Scarlet probable. Books. Yes, <laughs> that is quite probable. Yes. That seems like a place you would be. <laughs> that seems uh, like a place I, I may have that been. First book. Yeah, yeah oh, you have a. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think it's... It, yeah, the player's guide, and then I think I also got. Um, is it called? Oh man, I don't have it in front of me, but the Bloody Sea. Um, the Blood expansion? Sea. Yeah, yeah. Blood yes, Sea. The Blood yeah. Sea. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite settings in the scarred lands and it's it's a very easy touchstone when you're trying to explain to somebody like how is scarred lands different than dungeons and dragons well we have a an entire ocean made out of blood because there's a bleeding chain titan at the bottom of it um and <laughs> his blood makes all the sea life in it super aggressive and mutated um and that's a pretty good shorthand for like what's the setting like um trying to kill you is what it's like <laughs> that's what yeah it's like. i love that book i absolutely love that book beautiful <laughs> yep. oh yeah i had a lot of fun reading it uh during that convention weekend and on the way home and after that um and the player's guide is equally as beautiful and as expansive um and then i had the pleasure of picking up the um your creature uh book as well and uh, that just came in the mail actually a few weeks ago from the kickstarter and i was really excited to get that in i think i said on the podcast that episode that that might be the most beautiful uh monster manual for fifth edition right now yeah, like, I, think, I am yeah. in love with that book i remember you saying that the the art is phenomenal in it and that's uh owing to uh johnny hodgson over at handiwork games um did an amazing job putting that together uh just beautiful stuff uh really captures the unique feel of the creatures of the scarred lands scarred lands i mean our, our unicorns have serrated horns and look like Clydesdales on steroids like the 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 entire uh host of creatures that are that you run into there are very distinct and flavorful so having art that captures that beautifully uh really it was great to see oh yeah I saw one of your horn well I'm getting ahead of myself but I saw a picture of your horn saws in uh your newest kickstarter and that got me really excited <laughs> again so <laughs> yeah that's the that's the don't stand in front of a horn saw picture um. Exactly. Yeah. Like, don't stand behind a horse. You don't stand behind or in front of a horn saw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so I picked feet up the, uh, is player's probably guide. the best place to stand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I picked up the player's guide, the Blood Sea, the creature book, um, and uh, just kept my eye, been keeping my eye on the Scarred stuff in general. And lo and behold, uh, another product was launched just today. On Kickstarter, um, yep. Give us the shorthand pitch, or what? What? What's the elevator pitch for Dead Man's Rust? So it starts out uh, innocently enough in the city of Leone, which is the capital of the Manticora Confederacy. 
uh, during a holiday called the Night of Chronicles, where bards from across Galspad get together to swap tales. And there's trade and there's uh, carnival games and sort of everything you would expect at a fair. And so um, as your first level adventurers are sort of hanging out here, they get a chance to get embroiled in a few little things here and there, but ultimately they come across an aging Broadreach dwarf by the name of Dradaki Bronzeleaf. And Dradaki um, is a veteran of the Divine War. Uh, he hasn't been to the Hornsaw Forest since before it was the Hornsaw Forest. And now that the Broadreach elves have returned and have cleansed a part of the forest, he wants to go home to retire, to live out his last years in, in the land of his birth. So he wants a, a band of adventurers to help him get home. Uh, so it starts from those humble beginnings, and you get to sort of uh, escort this bard uh, across a portion of central Galspad, get a look at the normal state of horror, sort of the status quo of things as you're moving through. But when you arrive in the Hornsaw Forest, you discover that there's uh, a number of threats sort of rising in the area, um, specifically one tar targeting the Hallow Legionnaires, which are a group of um, uh, basically uh, human or humanoid souls that are bound to armor. And uh, there seems to be some mysterious infection that's, that's assaulting them. And you start to, to look into who is causing this and why. And it turns into this long um, sort of investigative, uh, exploratory sort of adventure throughout uh, the Broadreach Horizon, the Hornsaw Forest, uh, the Gleaming Valley, which is the home of the, uh, of the Howl Legionnaires, and Glivid Autel, which is the uh, necromancer city um, that is home to probably, I don't mind saying, the most repugnant and horrifying villains ever conceived of for fantasy media. The necromancers of Livid Hotel are, are, are just effing monsters. Um, and it was a delight to see life get brought, breathed into them. Or, you know, on life, as the case may be. Um, yeah, so you sort of have to, you sort of get caught in the middle of all these forces. And, uh, you know, you need to do what's right. And if you don't, it spells doom for possibly an entire species. That's interesting. So one of the phrases that i've heard tossed around for scarred lands is that it's the heavy metal uh setting yes. for fifth edition is that something that kind of is being carried forward mm -hmm. into this product as well oh absolutely uh have you seen the cover That's it looks like a manowar cover i have i mean yeah. yes, it <laughs> does. Look, I, I want it i want yeah. i want it airbrushed yeah, on the side of a van um, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred percent. That's our guiding star, man. We want we want it to be um, death metal uh, turned up to eleven the entire time, you know. And and there's there's don't get me wrong. There's beats in the story where it's like you can take a breather, you know. Just like if you listen to a metal album, you got that, you know. You have your your bridge where things slow down a little bit. Um, but I mean, it's intensity. It's intensity. It's blood. It's gore. Um, it's like a guar concert at your table. Um, you know, and <laughs> where, where you're in goats <laughs> for real. And, and, you know, um, I think that that makes it cool because, um, you can have this like super pulse pounding, uh, for lack of a better term, edgy content, but pre presenting it in a way that, um, has like a, a modern sensibility and is aware of who the players are that are sitting at a D&D &D table in 2020, um, you know, and 
striking that balance isn't always mm. super easy, but we have a hugely diverse uh, group of writers that worked on this book, and it shows and it has helped propel it into the stratosphere. So the whole idea being that, you know, you sit down, you establish what the world's going to be, you figure out what bumpers you and your group need, and then you can just go buck wild in the middle, you know, within those... Uh, those safety rules that you set up uh, and, you know, disembowel people. And, you know, uh, I mean, that's, that was part of the reason why it was important to me to have one of the chapter pieces be like some poor Manticora getting just run through by a horn saw because that's probably going to happen to somebody's character at some point. Like, <laughs> kind of like this picture right here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Ex exactly that, you know, and it's, and it's not set up to be like the Scarredlands is a harsh environment. When you look at the player's guide, um, all of the playable races start off a little bit tougher than in your standard D&D. &D. Uh, and if you look at the subclasses, they're a little bit beefier than you might find in a standard D&D &D game. And that's because mm. the world is full of these horrible Titan spawn monsters. Um, so you have to be able to sort of uh, hold your ground. You know, but there, you know, there's definitely threats of of, of death and, and dismemberment and destruction while you're out traipsing around in here. Um, but it was, one, it was so fun. One to of the things out. you said. Yeah, one of the things you said um, in your interview on the 307 RPG uh, podcast mm -hmm. is that you wanted to design your monsters to be unexpectedly horrifying or comedic. And kind yes. of fitting that into the stat blocks, uh, you made a mention uh, of uh, some acidic kobolds from a previous product as like an example of this in action. Um, do you mind talking about a little bit more about that, about creating unexpectedly shocking monsters for the players for this product? Sure. Um, so as you're coming through the Hornsaw for one of the... the the core conceit of the Hornsaw Forest is it was once this beautiful, verdant environment until the Titan Mormo got ripped to shreds there. And so her blood sort of seeped up into um, the, the very earth, into the roots of the plants. It corrupted the animals. It, it really just wrecked the joint. And so everything within this beautiful, verdant forest now has become a, um, you know, a, a, a maniacal parody of itself. You know, which is why you have mm. the hornsaw unicorns that are these big, beefy, you know, with death metal horn and whatnot. Um, there's a creature, one of my personal favorites in Scarredlands called the uh, Blood Reaper. It's like a nine-foot-tall humanoid mantis that just has swords at the end of its four arms. So, like, it's got el down to the elbow, it's a regular arm, and then they're just scimitars. Um, and they, they're just angry. They're not particularly angry for a reason, it's not like a certain behavior is going to set them off. Um, you just if you get in their bubble, your food. Um, and these things, I, I like to imagine that prior to the Divine War, these were probably like peaceful humanoid mantises that like hung out and like spoke with the Fey folk and were these gentle kind of creatures that you might expect to run into like in a Forgotten Realms, right? Um, but having this blood yeah. poured on them has just made them like that. And then I'm also, I'll give you a little spoiler here. This isn't quite... Uh, been released publicly, I don't think yet. But there's a creature in in the game called the Rock Cube, which I am just I I love the idea of. I, every time I think about it, I laugh my ass off. Um, it's a gelatinous cube made out of rotting flesh um, that is often used as a vector to deliver zombies. Oh. So like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like you load oh, this man. you load this sucker You're in a trebuchet with like 10 zombies in it and then you just fling it <laughs> <laughs> all right done fledging so that's fledging that's now. the that's the dark humor that I, I i to me that's funny like the the look on a player's face as you describe like you look over the wall and you see this giant ball of uh, you know, tumor flying at you, and then like an arm pokes out of the side of it as a zombie falls out. Like that's to me, that's funny. So, it's um, <laughs> awesome. And, well, and again, it. a lot of credit to the to the writers that we had on this book. You mentioned a couple of them actually. Um, Chris Waltz worked on this book. Uh, Alex Klippinger worked on this book. There is a the sort of Act Three is this horrific dungeon crawl, and I knew I needed the dude that did. Uh, Skullport, Skullport Dragon Swindle to work on that dungeon crawl. So I was like, Alex, come work on this book. Um, let's do it. Uh, and he was he was down. It was great. Um, so yeah, um, I was going somewhere with all that. Yeah, the creators had a lot of really good ideas for these monsters. I would like pitch like, here's the thing that we need to do. And sometimes they'd just be like, all right, here is the finished thing. Other times they'd be like, but wouldn't it be cool if we also did this other gross yet funny thing to it? And I was, yeah. Um, more gross, more gross, more gross, more funny. Um, yeah, and like you know, as we were building the city of Glivetotel, you know, this is supposed to be the city of necromancers that are just pure, unadulterated evil. They their their goal is their own enrichment, um, their own mastery of death, and everything is subservient to that goal. the The living creatures in Glivetotel are a cash. Cr- they're parts they're there to be harvested for when i need a new zombie um and so building out that city and what are the ways they enforce the law there what sort of creatures do they use uh you know to uh to keep the living in line um that was so much fun it's just it's it's really nice to be able to like roll up your sleeves and be like we're just gonna make some terrible things um that we know players are killing when you're putting together, like, if you want to, you want to go for that old school heavy metal vibe, right? So when I remember being a kid, probably one of the, but I'm not as young as the whippersnapper Zach here, but I, I do remember being like 10 years old and going into my brother's room. My brother had like row upon row of the old Conan books. It was the first right, thing I remember. Right. He had the the door poster of Eddie from uh, from Iron Maiden, where he's like. And I remember it terrified me, him like crawling out of the door. Like I, I was sure he was actually going to come out and get me at, in the middle of the night. He had cow skulls with candles melting on him. And he was like, listen, always listening to metal. And he was the one that actually, I was probably like eight. He introduced me to he- the, like the old school heavy metal cartoon. Oh and, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So I got like, I've got like this really like, it's like this macabre memory of metal. Right. So whenever I like Zach, Troy and I have, we've tried our hands at, at trying to, recapture that the metal vibe how do you do it is it just is it the gore is it the dark humor like if you were to kind of distill it down and say look it's metal because x like and, that, and that's how that's how do you capture that and how I do mean, I, do that too I, we listen to a lot of iron maiden and we watch heavy metal and then we use that as fuel i mean <laughs> like <laughs> you know i think we're probably of roughly the same age i had an older brother who's very into heavy metal mm-hmm. i my first and he used to my parents, because it was the 80s, my parents just had no effing sense in their skulls. So, oh, it was like, the devil. You know, my, my, well, no, it was my brother. They were like, we were latchkey kids. So, my brother was mm. like, I'm going to go see Poltergeist. And my mom was like, well, take your brother. Um, <laughs> and I'm four. 
Um, yep. You know, so... <laughs> Yep. Like, my first crush that was Carol Ann from Poltergeist, but my second crush was Tarn of the Tyrakian from, uh, oh, from Heavy yeah. Metal, to give you an idea of, like, oh, yeah. my formative years. I'm um, right there with you. So, so a lot of it was, like, uh, a lot of how you channel that is just think about thinking about, like, what are those, what beats make that feel, right? Like, what happens where you get that feel, and then how can you dovetail that into what you're working on? You know, the idea... Um, in a sense, like to tie it directly to the heavy metal cartoon, for example, um, when we talked mm-hmm. about the uh, like the rock cubes, and there's a scene. Um, I don't think it's spoiling anything because it's right in the Kickstarter description. Uh, there's an area. There's a, a, a part that a part of the area that gets um, placed under siege, like they get attacked, and during the siege, the siege is by the undead. It's depicted on the cover of the book. Um, that's one of the things that's happening is a, a siege by the undead. That big dragon in the background is, mm. is an undead uh-huh. dragon. Um, awesome. And so as we were talking about what should that feel like, we talked about the scene with the, um, with the pilots in the heavy metal cartoon. Oh, it was like actually yeah. a touchstone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we want to in- invoke that sort of creeping horror where you're not sure what their motivations are. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also looking at like... Um, opportunities for uh, dashing and creating hope. Um, horror in general is about uh, creating, uh, it's about tension release, right? So mm-hmm. having the things that build the tension and then having the comedic beats or just the, the big hope beats, you know, there's a, there's a mechanic uh, and all credit goes to uh, Connery who, did, who came up with a lot of the mechanic that we're using for sieges, but there's a mechanic for like, you know, trying to manage these mob combats without trying to manage 300 combatants, right? And, Mm. um, you know, one of the things that can happen in there is, like, bolstering another group, you know? The whole situation where, like, you know, on the dawn of the third day, look to the east. You know, when you look to the east and there's people there, you're like, yeah! And then it makes it easier for you, you know? (laughs) So sort sort of identifying those beats that give you that feeling in the media and then manufacturing ways for the uh, tools for the DM to bring that in at the table, whether or not you're calling attention to it. You know what I mean? Sometimes just in the description of a creature, you know, if you describe Eddie from, you know, the, the cartoon character from Iron Maiden, you don't have to do a lot of work beyond describing them. People are going to associate that with, Oh, that's pretty fucking metal. He's a skeleton in leather jacket with wild hair. Um, they'll fill in those blanks. You just got to give them enough, <laughs> enough of the right spice, and they'll, they'll 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 fill in the blanks. I like your I like your description of creeping horror, when it comes to metal. Maybe that's maybe that's one of the things I remember as a kid. Is like whenever I'd watch the I like the the heavy metal cartoon. I remember it just being like it was lo-fi creepy, and then all of a sudden it would get and it'd get really big, and it'd get really like. It'd get really, really scary, and then it would die back down. It'd get gory for a little bit, and then it would die back down. And then there would just be, it would brood. That was the other thing it would do. Right. It would brood a lot, right? That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And delivering and delivering the unexpected, you know, like the mm-hmm. the whole the whole stern scene, right? You know, with oh uh, yes, <laughs> and turning it on its ear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know that you're watching that for the first time, and you're glued to your seat. You're like, oh, how is he going to get out? Da, 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 da. Yeah, what's he going to do? You know, and, and then it's a total, it's a total shift, and I, and I dig stuff like that too. So, yeah, um, I don't trust anything in this campaign uh, as a player. Like, no, no, players, <laughs> players trust everything. Players right. trust that's, everything. 
That's my kind of campaign to run. One that's that is driven by paranoia. Yeah, I love it. I, I was listening to the, the 307 uh, episode today too, and when uh, you were describing the uh, the necromancers, mm-hmm. I was like, it's it's like you like you said, it's everything turned up to eleven. It's like it's everything that other settings say, like the Red Wizards of Thay. Right. It's that, yeah, with the knob turned all the way to eleven, and then yanked off, so you and cannot it, turn it back down. Right, broken off, yeah, right, off like, the amp. What? Yeah, it just stuck. Yeah, I mean, like, and that was again, like, I I love Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, I dig the Forgotten Realms, fun place. But I definitely, repeatedly, you know, we touched on like. These, these need to not read like the Red Wizards of Thay. These need to read like somebody oh, yeah. that no it, one is ever going to sit down at a table with and be like, okay, let's talk. Let's put aside our differences mm-hmm. and uh, for a me- No, you're a monster. Like there's no, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no question. There's no middle ground. Uh, these people are irredeemably just horrid. Um, <laughs> you know, an individual among them might be, might, might, might be good. Right. But the culture that they cultivate and like, you know, talking about drawing in influences from other places, um, we talk about uh, in Glivadatel, um, feeling extreme emotion is uh, is illegal unless you're a wizard. Um, and so there's these creatures called the Mori that are these little uh, undead children oh, yeah. that have uh, had they have psychic abilities. They can tell what you're feeling. So if you're feeling too strongly, they'll just point at you and, and like mouth a scream because they can't make noise. And um, you know they do the Donald or uh, yeah Donald Sutherland thing from. Uh, Wicker Man. <laughs> um, yep, excellent but reference. That whole thing stems from as we're talking about things that make like this, things that make a dystopia, right? Because ultimately, Glivadatel is a dystopia with undead. Um, you know, so our touchstones were things like 1984 and uh, the movie Equilibrium with Christian Bale. And like, how do we yep. incorporate things like that? So, so because at the end of the day the motivations behind that are that the necromancers of Glivadatel want the people pliable, you know, so that they don't revolt, so that we don't have to waste the time to resurrect you when you're not ready to be, you know, reanimated um, because you went and picked off a revolt and we had to kill you. So now your bones and your muscles maybe aren't as good as we wanted them because we, we were harvesting you for a specific purpose, you know. Um, so, so trying to figure out, like... <laughs> Yeah, trying to figure out how to strike that balance and make that fun and cool and present it in a way that um, is theoretically absolutely terrifying when the characters engage it for the first time. You know what I mean? I love it. Even if they know what they're walking into, they're going to, witnessing it is going to be a thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So Dead Man's Rust is a... uh, projected level one to ten campaign yeah. uh i know you mentioned other places that you know there's going to be hooks and leads that allow you to play on past that but that's just kind of the arc that you have in mind centers around those levels is that a fair way of saying it right so the the campaign that's in is in if you create new characters and use the the primary hook that's that's placed in the campaign is designed to run from levels one to ten uh, having said that, the two important things. One, we built 
uh, a bunch of on-ramps and you can actually if you go to the kickstarter right now and put five bucks down on it you can get the introduction chapter chapter one uh, and the appendix that has all the new character options in it as well as all the npcs you need to run chapter one so you could go back it on kickstarter for five bucks right now and run your game tomorrow um and and get your first taste of it um cool. but uh it uh i was going somewhere with all of that um we were talking about, oh, the levels, right. So in the introduction, it uh, provides on-ramps for different levels of play. So like, let's say that you've already played through the Gauntlet Spirigos trilogy, which is up, uh, which you can get at, at drive-through. Your character's like level seven. It's got on-ramps for how do you connect that to what's going on here. Um, the other thing, and I, I feel, um, because at the end of the day, I am a benevolent GM when I run games, I feel compelled to warn players that, are, that may sit at a table that are playing Dead Man's Rust that it is not organized like World of Warcraft. As you're walking around in the Hornsaw Forest, you're not like, oh, this is the level four area. We'll be fine here. Um, you know, you might run across a bunch of CR one half creatures that are a real easy kill, and then you round a corner straight into five angry Hornsaw unicorns. You know, what I mean? like Oops. it's not, it's not broken up into a. So you got to be ready to run, and you got to be ready to uh, assess those things. Um, and rely on those descriptions that are often going to be so metal and so disturbing, um, you know, to decide, like, is this a thing I want to tangle with right now? Um, or should I just beat feet? Um, and that, I think, also encapsulates that sort of metal aesthetic, right? Because you never know what exactly you're going to tangle with. You just know it's ugly. Yeah. Very cool. So so level 1 to 10, um, it's going to be out in hardcover, uh, as an option in PDF, of course. Um, you guys were asking for $15,000 as your initial goal. Uh, launched today, and I'm checking right now, and I'm seeing that you guys are approaching the $9,000 mark. So uh, you're going to be fine. Yep. <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed. But there's still going to be plenty of room. I know you I... mentioned before lots of stretch goals and whatnot. As part of it, yeah, we have a lot of stuff in mind. There's a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to expand uh, things, to bring in some neat new tools. Um, I'm just until we hit that main goal, I'm going to be fueled on caffeine and anxiety and, and a steady diet of, of uh, music <laughs> to get me by. But, uh, yeah. I'm very grateful that it is that it has gotten the response it's gotten so far. So great, yeah. I remember. Uh, uh, my co-host of another thing, Thomas, uh, who's been on the podcast a couple of times when he did his first Kickstarter, and he would message me that first like four days, and he's like, "I am physically sick." <laughs> he's like, "I can't stand the anxiety. It's painful." It's yeah, it's rough, and I mean, I, I and I, I'm in a fortunate position that this is done. You know, I am a freelancer who works for Onyx Path Publishing. I'm not the one who's bank account is actually on the line here you know so i have that little buffer mm -hmm. for the anxiety you know um i have nothing yeah. but respect for for folks that are just like i'm gonna put my book on kickstarter like whoo i hope your therapy's in check um <laughs> it's gonna be he was definitely he was cameron from ferris bueller for at least a good oh, yeah. month like we could yeah, we could have made a mint off of the coal we'd, we'd shoved in him if, uh, by the end of the friggin by the end of the run <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's stressful, but it's really cool to see people engaging it and liking it. And you know, we're um, we've had some conversations going on Twitter and on Facebook just about the art and about um, you know, people seem to really be digging the the pieces. I was 
um, I don't want to say I don't want to say surprised because like I saw the cover first, so I knew that people were gonna love it. But I was still pleasantly, um, I guess I pleasantly welcomed the responses we've gotten to the cover so far. Um, that okay. thing is really beautiful. Like I, and that's that's no credit to me. That's all Aaron Riley who did also did the cover for the uh, Players Guide. Mm -hmm. um, but holy cow, that's a it's a my the one thing I'll take a little credit for is. Um, it's a wraparound cover, so if you look at the mock-up, you see just kind of the how Legionnaires fight, and then there's the uh, 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 undead dragon in the back. But if you look at the other side of the image, that's all going to wrap around the back, where it's got the how Legionnaires sort of surrounding that Hollow Knight. And that's actually a reference to a famous painting called The Seven Centurions. That's my little contribution to the... Uh, let's bring some high art <laughs> into this while we're at it. Art, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was neat looking. It was a nice, nice point yes. of reference, but... Well, yeah, I have back. Very it. cool, man. I, I, yeah, I, you got well, backers. You. You, you got backers in the crowd. Yeah, you got backers in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had me. At, you had me at well, heavy metal. Uh, I'm, yeah, hang on, I'm clicking now. Yeah, I knew John was. This is a this is an easy sell for John here. He's our heavy metal no, nut. No um, well, Travis, uh, as we're rounding out here, um, give us a give us a way that the, that folks can connect with you or connect with Scarlands on social media what's the best links or ways for them to keep track on y'all so i am at travis leg pretty much everywhere on the internet that's l-e-g-g-e um you can see all sorts of Scarlands actual plays going on at twitch.tv forward slash the onyx path uh as well as their uh various other games we got Scion being played right now. They came from Beneath the Sea, which is another game that is very dear to my heart. We have a Pugmire game going, which I've also had the pleasure of working on. What a tonal whiplash that often is. Um, but, how do you... How do you... Uh, you, know, you know, though, Pugmire, like, it's, it's real easy to look at Pugmire at first glance and be like, oh, that's cute, it's animals, cats and dogs. Uh, you get just an inch under the surface of Pugmire and it is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <it> really <laughs> there's some terrible things in that setting um just you know you start looking at it from the perspective of you know of these animals who believe that uh humans were these divine beings or whatever and then just one day disappeared you know um it, 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 that when you think about that longer than oh that's funny uh it starts to like <laughs> give you an existential crisis um which <laughs> Uh, owes to Eddie's uh, brilliant design. But yeah, um, you can see all these actual plays up with the Twitch channel. That's probably the best place to check that stuff out. And then obviously Drive Through RPG. There's an Onyx Path storefront. All the books for sale there. We got community content for the lines now. Um, so if you're really into Scarred Lands, you find something you dig, and you're like, oh, I want to expand on that. I want to make an adventure out of that. Uh, throw it up there just like it was DM's Guild. Same, same deal, but you're using Scarred Lands. So. Right on. Perfect. We're going to post uh, links to some of that stuff in the show notes, as well as the Scarred Lands uh, Dead Man's Rust Kickstarter. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, I'm going to lay money on. By the time this episode releases, you're going to be funded and into stretch goals. is going to be, it's going to be where, so. where my money's at. So, Oh, yeah. I hope yeah. so. And uh, <laughs> I, I do want to point out, too, um, there's actually a new feature that Kickstarter has that we're trying out for yeah. the first time on this. Um, normally, like if you back the book, right, and you want to get, let's say you're new to Scarred Lands, you don't have anything. Um, so if you want to back the book and then you want to pick up 
like the, the player's guide and the creature collection. And we have all these add-ons. Uh, we have uh, the Yugman's Guide to Gelspad. Uh, you can add on in PDF, all this other stuff. Um, normally, you'd have to back it at a higher amount and just like let it sit um, and then wait for the Kickstarter to be over and then go into backer kit and break out mm-hmm. that amount. Um, yep. Now you can actually just pick your add-ons while the Kickstarter's live. Um, and so really kind of make a roadmap. And if you need to adjust it for finances during the Kickstarter and say, oh, maybe I need to back off of the, you know, this extra book or whatever, you can do so. But you have, you have a finer control during the campaign of like what you are going to get and, and being able to keep an eye on that. So that, I think, is a really neat feature, particularly for people that are new to the setting. You know, grab everything. It's going to be cheaper to grab it through the Kickstarter than it will to go buy it at Drive Through RPG. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, and, I did and, that. I took advantage of that. <laughs> if you are you. someone who runs in your own universe and, you know, you do only do homebrew adventures or whatnot, um, I'm, I'm going to reiterate, this is not going to be the last time that I reiterate that, you might as well go pick up the creature collection, bare minimum, because there's a ton in there that you can throw into any setting, any fantasy setting, and get a lot of use out of, and the art is incredibly well done. Um it's it's a gorgeous book. It's easily worth uh, the the add on price. So make that happen, bare minimum. So agreed. Most okay. Definitely. Well, hey, Travis, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been a blast. Uh, and we, I really appreciate we the opportunity. This has in, been in the multiverse. Been so yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, look forward well, to uh, crossing paths. Thanks to all our listeners for hanging out. Um, oh yeah, it'd be great to have you back on. For sure. Definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah let's, let's make it definitely. happen. Definitely, we'll we'll make sure it happens. Um, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Travis. Thanks to John. Thanks to Troy. Uh, you guys can check us out on Bite Size Gaming Facebook, um, and uh, you can hang out here basically once a week and listen to a live uh, podcast recording, just like you did tonight. Uh, we'll be sure to post that on our Facebook page before it goes live. And uh, until next time, we'll see you next week. Have a good game, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Oh, right. thank We're you. good, it's Travis. Been, thanks for having on. This has been a hoot. Oh, you know, thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I was able to hop on here. If nothing else, uh, it was good to get on here day one so that I'm not just hitting F5 on my keyboard. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep.